What up? Let's go. Welcome back. Hello. Good Oasis Podcast. We got another week for you. And uh, Ben's excited about something. He just I just, just want to say, you know, I assume that right now it's morning for you, but it might not be. If you're listening in the afternoon, I want to say good oh. afternoon. Oh, did if I say good morning? At, oh, I did. Oh. Over top of you, which is classic. <laughs> <laughs> or or good evening. Just or just appreciate night. you listening at it. Okay, if you're about to go to bed, you fa- this is how you fall asleep. You actually yeah. listen to us. Who needs a Harry Styles? <laughs> I know, right? They've got Ben Beatson. <laughs> so good so you gotta listen to the last podcast welcome no we're pumped up we're excited we're we're ready to do this and we have a honestly a really good topic for you in the sense of i think it's going to help you in your relationships with your friends with your family with co-workers classmates whatever in any sense that you're having a relationship with another person and relationship doesn't just mean romantic friendship too but in that this topic can help you walk out what it looks like to have some of the conflict and to to do accountability without it being judgy, you know, because in the world we've got, uh, I mean, people are always just sensitive to Christian truth or even Christian rebuke or Christian conflict. So we're going to talk a little bit about it. But before we get there, what is something you, us at the table, me being Brennan, Jaina, and Ben, <laughs> what are we, what do you judge people for? Like, I'm not talking like really serious stuff. Don't don't be like when someone murders, I shall judge them. No, come on, Amen. that's judgment is the Lord's. I'm talking like judgment where you're like, okay, you, like the head shake or the eye roll. That's what I'm talking about. Go ahead. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, mine is when people are not self aware to realize that they're blocking a public space. So like in a hallway, like Amen. At, that like, is so good. At like the student union or something, people that just stop and sit <laughs> in the middle or like in a mall or at the airport just stop and sit in the middle. Or especially big groups that are like all spread out but they're blocking the whole way. And I've been in one of them before. So I feel attacked. I can judge myself for that. But it is I it is frustrating. I think I do this way more often than I realize I do this. And almost hundred percent. I didn't even know that was in me. But, but you, you just brought yeah, that you, out. Yeah. I feel as that. soon as real. I said it, Brennan was Brennan's like, heart. yes. yes. <laughs> I'm in that. You pulled that so much. If you so notice, much. I'm usually the person that's like, hey, guys, let's go over here. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to. I need that person in my life because I will just stand anywhere. <laughs> you ready? You want me to go? You go. Okay. I maybe have two. The first one is I have always had this issue, and I know it's not right. I just, it's, it's how, I'm, I'm working on it kind of. I judge people kind of based off their shoes. <laughs> okay. I just do. And I like I'll see your shoes and I feel that reflects a piece of your personality <laughs> and like who you okay, are. Okay. Like I don't remember you guys remember like the Osiruses or the or what were they the Orises, the huge skating shoes? Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember that. When I Etnies? I don't know if they oh. were they were I think they started with an O, but they were these giant chunky skating shoes. Maybe mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. And when I saw someone rocking those like it was like an okay, like that's that's your vibe, but like down in me, like there's a little bit of judgment. Like we're not gonna be friends because you're wearing those <laughs> shoes. I just personality wise, I don't know if it's gonna work. And for the longest time, and I know people are gonna be like, Brennan, that's not okay. For the longest time, I had the same idea with cowboy boots. If you're wearing, Dude, we're in South Dakota. I know, I know, you're about I know. To get canceled. You are gonna I, get if canceled. If I saw you wearing, <laughs> if I saw you wearing cowboy boots, there was just an, a, a piece of me that thought. Okay, personality-wise, we're probably not going to link up. But one of my really good friends sometimes wears cowboy boots, and we get along great. So, do you get along? Yeah. How long did it, you that like have to work for you to? There like- was the first time I met him, he was wearing cowboy boots, and it took a long time for our friendship to grow. Mm. So, 
but now we're at a point. So there was a barrier, and I put that barrier there. So I'm, like I said, I'm semi working on it. I mean, it. we all do that. We judge yes. each other's clothes. So oh it's yeah, not yeah, that but weird, like, but... and I think that's a, a form of self expression. So like, if yeah. you choose to wear a piece of like ratty, tatty, gross pair of shoes, oh <laughs> like that probably says something about what you. I don't even uh, some. Never mind. I'm done. But yes, I judge people a little bit on their shoes, and I don't have fancy shoes. I just wear decent shoes, and they're a certain style, and so I, that's reflective of me. I'm just anyway. really glad I wore my Sperry's the first day that I met Brennan. I, even though I've never been sailing in my life, one hundred percent. And they were nice white Sperry's. I remember them to this day. <laughs> I thought we can probably get oh, along. That's so funny. <laughs> I remember. I have called Brennan out, and I do feel bad for it in front of people. And say he'll judge you by your shoes um mine is anything that and I, and I feel like god's been doing a work in my soul the last <laughs> for sure three months uh but before that i haven't been aware of what god's wanting to do in my soul uh, but anything <laughs> that slows me down to a goal okay specifically people standing in the hallway no <laughs> on the golf course if you are worse than i <laughs> so right there already yeah there's this assumption like i'm a better golfer than you and if I have to wait as long on the tee box as it would take me to do the next two holes, mm. we have a problem. Mm. We have an immediate problem. Or if I'm by myself <laughs> and you have three people with you and you see me on the tee box and you're on the, on the green or wherever right now, you wait for me on the next hole because I'll be waiting. Mm. I get so angry. <laughs> and and it's in, it just so, so last week I went golfing on Thursday afternoon, I think, and went golfing. Should have taken me an hour, took me two hours because I had to wait. And I was sitting there and I, the first time I had to wait, it was a group of four people in front of me and I was so mad and so angry and I feel, I feel bad about it and <laughs> I've had to repent. This right here is why I don't golf. You snobby people <laughs> in your country clubs no, hate, I don't hate care. me for shooting See, here's bad. The, here's the thing. I actually don't care if you're bad, but if you know you're going to take longer than it would take me. Why would you not let me go? To... Mm -hmm. It's it's actually right. like a rule on the golf course. Oh, it's, it's courtesy, common golf. See, I wouldn't courtesy. know. I'm, I'm not it's one of the golf. golf I'm not a golf type. I don't oh. have any golfing. All shoes. of you out there <laughs> listening to this now, if you golf, now you know the etiquette. <laughs> Good. That's perfect. I apologize. Thank you for being open and honest with with your baggage here in this room. Wow. Um, we hope you have your things that you're <laughs> you open and honest that, with. You know you have them on the other end of this podcast, <laughs> and that you're not judging us too hard, but. Now that you know our things, you can help keep us accountable. Oh, How about that transition? I'm not golfing with that. anyone. <laughs> and like we said, the reason we're doing this this conversation of judging others versus accountability is because they're, it feels like they're almost on two ends of the spectrum here, where one is you're just judging people that you don't have a love or a care for their sake or their soul, so now you're just inflicting on them your own opinions or what you believe is right, and it's not fair to them, and it's not fair to anybody involved. But on the other side, there's this accountability tension where there's a healthy dynamic relationship where one person's heart is for another person and they're involved in relationship. But in the midst of that, there's this tension that can exist on both sides where people, whether you're the person going for accountability or the person receiving accountability or vice versa with judgment, that it can feel tense, like it can feel wrong, it can feel like conflict. So in that, we just want to talk a little bit about, okay, well, how do we do it right so we can relieve some of that stress, stress and anxiety and tension people are yeah. feeling and still get the benefit of accountability without the harm of judgment. So to do that, how do we start? With accountability? <laughs> yeah, with accountability. <laughs> well, I think just the idea of, uh, 
I, uh, why I want to go like, why do we in general want to like, why is judging just an automatic thing? Hmm. Yeah. Like really, I I just think cancel culture to me started because we just inherently as humans judge people. Yeah. I just, we do. So like in my mind, it's like, well, why do we get to that point? Like, what are reasons that we actually judge people? And I think there's a part of like, it helps and, and we'll get to the scripture of this, but it does help actually cover up or, or helps me forget that I actually have issues in my own life, mm. which then involve turns around to like, I feel superior mm. and better. Like the Pharisee said, like, thank you, God, that I'm not like this woman. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I think it's important to recognize we have this in us. This is, this is something I think everyone struggles with, mm. this idea of judging. And so you're right. The fact that there is, it's a weird spectrum of they can look the same. Yeah. They actually can look the same. So much of it, and we'll talk about is behind motive upon like relationship, whatever. We'll get to that point. But I just think recognize that we have a superiority issue. We have a wanting to cover up our own faults issue. And so recognize like you are judging and including myself, I I judge because I don't want to ultimately deal with my garbage. Hmm. Yeah. And so it's like just recognize this in in each in each other. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Thoughts on that? I just No, I think that's good. And <laughs> like, I think that opens up a section for us to talk almost about like the motives behind it. Okay. So really what we're hitting at here when we're starting this podcast is the idea of when it comes to accountability, the two most important things we're going to tell you are is it should be about your heart and it should be about the relationship you have with that person. Yeah. Yeah. So in that, if your heart is not for them, and if you don't love them, love being defined as wanting God's best for them, then you have no spot to speak into that. So the person who is walking down the street you see is, is sinning or doing something you don't agree with, but you don't have a true authentic care for them. You just want them to correct their behavior, but you don't want God's best for them. You don't actually want them to live until God's design. You don't want their soul to grow and to be healthier. Then you don't have a spot to speak into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard pot for, spot for people to sit. Because they'll sit and they'll be like, oh man, like I still want to, I still don't want them to do that. But if you can't come to them with the right and correct heart that Jesus would have come to them, then you shouldn't come to them at all. So that's the heart piece. Uh, Maybe Jaina, Ben, do you want to explain just the relationship piece? Like what are we saying there? Yeah. So we believe that just as your heart should be for others, you should have a relationship with them um, that provides opportunity for you to um, have an accountability um, voice in their life that they trust you, they know you, that relationship is established, and so you can speak into their life, and that can be received more positively than just somebody random on the street that mm-hmm. you don't know. So I'll ask this question, but are we saying that, like, if I don't have, like, a, if I'm not friends with you, then I don't have, I'm not able to speak into your life? Is it, that what we're saying here? I think in certain ways, yes. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And in certain aspects of, Especially if you're not friends with someone, you don't know ultimately. Because we're not talking just church people here, are we? Mm-hmm. No, no. Right? Yeah. I think that's a big deal, and we'll get to that a little bit. But I think there has to be some sort of relational foundation. Now, that looks so different, yeah. you know, depending on just the situation. Mm-hmm. It just does. But there, I think there has to be an aspect of relational foundation. Um, and sometimes that's as simple as... I don't know why you'd ever walk up to some random stranger on the street and, and tell them what they're doing wrong or what you think they're doing wrong. Mm. It makes zero sense. In what way is that encouraging them? In what way is that pointing them to Jesus? And what, like, mm-hmm. Jesus never went up to people 
and pointed out flaws. It was in the midst of him walking in life. As people came to him, he would call out, but then within that, he would encourage. And like the biggest moments in Jesus's life where he actually, what looks like judging people, where really it's accountability because Jesus is for all people, because everything that Jesus and the Father does for us is actually good because the character of God is good. But even when it looks like you, like his interactions with Pharisees, it looks like judgment. Mm-hmm. And in it, you could chalk it up to that. But because of his heart is compassion and love, what he's doing is he's holding them accountable because as Pharisees, they know the letter of the law. Yeah, They know what God desires for them. And so in that, there's some relational foundation because they all are on the same page of what it looks like. Like we know we're all trying to follow God, mm-hmm. period. Yeah, And so... I, I think there has to be some sort of relationship. It looks different. It just does look different and, in every and I, situation. I love how you say it looks different because in my mind, I instantly go to friendship. Yeah. Like I'm able to hold my friends accountable because we're in this relationship. But then even like if we were to scale it back as pastoral staff sitting around the table, mm-hmm. like we have a relationship with our congregation, especially our leadership team, that's not always best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you think we are or not, like the, the 25 people we sit with on Monday nights and who help, lead, help us lead this ministry, like we're not all best friends, but rather we're in relationship. We've committed to these certain things. And because of that, that relationship gives us accountability yep. and it invites us into some sort yep. of of yeah, yeah, that back and forth. I just think, yeah, and, and, and it is a little different for us because we'll have people come up to us and just either ask for advice or like want to talk and do stuff like that. So in mm-hmm. those moments, it's again, they initiated a conversation where mm-hmm. they wanted to talk about what's going on in their life. And in mm-hmm. those moments, I mean, we want to press into preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, like correct, rebuke, and encourage. Mm-hmm. Like we know that that's a scripture. And do it with patience and careful instruction. So it's like, okay, we want to do that for all brothers and sisters together. Again, there's some sort of relational foundation because they came to us. Mm-hmm. They invited us into that moment, even if we didn't know them at all or know them a little bit. Yeah, that, that's super good. So then in that, then other words we maybe would use would be like compassion. Like yeah. if your heart is for them, you have compassion for them. And this is where like the worldly saying was you can get in their shoes. Like you can see like from their perspective what their struggle is or what their... I mean, you're not just from the outside, but rather you've joined them in it. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, the law of Christ is fulfilled. Like Jesus is saying, the law is fulfilled when you step alongside someone and you walk with them in their pain or their trouble or their sin. Yes. You know, and that doesn't mean you have to, to do the sin with them, but you're with them so you understand. Yes. And you start to, and that's empathy, and really. That, yeah. And that forces you to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, too, sometimes we, when we go to people in judgment or in accountability, sometimes Mm -hmm. we're looking for outward action change, that there's really an inward transformation that needs to occur before an outward can happen. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like to walk alongside them in that maybe the outward actions aren't changing very fast, but there's an inward transformation that you're walking along with them that can be really helpful and beneficial. And why there needs to be a relational foundation, because that takes time. Yeah, exactly. That takes time. Like I heard, I don't know where I read it or heard it or whatever, but this idea of compassion is literally to suffer together. Mm-hmm. And so it's literally, yes, it's, it's exactly what you said, Brent, of walking alongside. It's, it's the mm-hmm. time of recognizing this. I don't want to care so much about the outward action. It is, it is a visible sign of, okay, something might be off here, yeah. but what is Jesus doing? In the, like, or, or what is going on in their soul, in their mm-hmm. heart? What Maybe insecurities. What, what 
identity issues, what whatever can I speak into in, to encourage, yeah. knowing that as John 15 and Jesus tells us, like any fruit, any outward obedience, anything, again, fruit of the spirit or, or when it comes to loving people and loving God, that comes from a connection with Jesus that's already established and, and continued. And so like I can behavior modify myself all day, but that yeah. doesn't mean anything's happening in my mm-hmm. soul because eventually if nothing's happening within with, within me in my relationship with Jesus, I'm going to go back. Yeah. Ultimately. Well, mm-hmm. you'll just to, find a different outlet. That's so good. A hundred percent. Okay. So now I have this question. So as we're floating all these ideas, and I think there's one probably really correct answer, but there's probably <laughs> a whole bunch that we've even felt at the table. Why do we feel like we're entitled to an opinion on the way other people live? That is a great question. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to say the right answer, yeah. it's because we want God's best for them. So if we want God's best for them, yeah. we feel we should have an opinion in their life because we want to speak that truth into them. But mm-hmm. there's also a whole lot of other reasons I feel like we're entitled. We feel like yeah. we're entitled to an opinion on the way other people live in the church. Let's start with in the church because out of the church, whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. I actually don't, I don't know if I believe that, that people actually want God's best for people, hmm. even in the church. Hmm. I really don't. And that's what the right answer is, but I don't think no, it's no, always yeah. the, okay. The most what what yes, most prominent yeah, answer okay. is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like the one I would probably say first, if I look at my own life, one of the places I've struggled with judgment and not accountability is an aspect of fairness. Mm, okay, okay, that's super yeah. good. Where yeah. they're doing something that I've abstained from, yes. mm-hmm. so they're going downtown. <laughs> they're doing this thing. Yep. They're like having. They're going beyond what their boundaries should be in relationship, and I've abstained from those things. And that's not fair that they get to do that, yeah. but I don't. And mm-hmm. one, I don't even reckon like I've grown from this, but it's still so like I still feel those mm-hmm. temptations. I still struggle with those things sometimes. So then, in that, like one, I'm not recognizing that sin is a lie like the things Mm -hmm. they're doing aren't going to promise me more life like my life is found in jesus yep my fulfillment's found in him but also like i don't think it's fair that i should have to live by the letter of the law Mm -hmm. that i should have to fulfill these things and they don't if they're going to claim to the same heaven and the same relationship with jesus so there's one temptation Mm -hmm. that i feel like i i feel like sometimes i'm entitled to an opinion because it's not fair that they should be able to do whatever they want Yeah. yeah I think, too, that ties really closely, too, with that idea of hypocrisy, especially in the church. If we're all Christians, we should all be doing this the same way or believe the same thing or not doing this or that. And then we get mad and we see other people doing something that we think is wrong, that, oh, they're a hypocrite, so we need to call them out or we need to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I've come to the understanding that I know exactly what it means to be a follower yeah, of Jesus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you need to do that, too. Mm-hmm. And if, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's so good, guys. I mean, if yeah. I was going to say another Hypocrisy one, if I was going to keep rolling, fairness. like mm-hmm. image yeah. in the sense of like if I'm in a relationship with you or if you exist in relationship to the church I'm a part of or the yeah. ministry I'm a part of, like are you making me or the ministry or the church look bad? So yeah. there might be someone who you like, you see them leading worship, but you know something they did. Mm-hmm. Or like you see them in a small group, but you know what they're like when they're not in small group. And now all of a sudden you're like, you're defaming our small group, our ministry. This is something I have a stake in. Mm-hmm. Like I'm owning that. Like my heart is for this ministry. Mm-hmm. But in that, your heart being for the ministry is neglecting your heart for the person. Right. Yeah. Because then you start to go in judgment and, account- and accountability, air quotes, because you'd rather see the ministry look better than God's best for that person. So I've felt that in my yeah, own life. That's super yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just, it, we, and I've talked 
I mentioned this a little bit, but the reality is like, again, I will judge and I will go to that spot because it's worse than what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there is a fairness aspect. It's a hypocrisy aspect, but it's a, it covers up what the faults I have in myself. It covers up. It, it makes, it helps me not have to actually deal with the insecurities that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, in that, isn't it so culturally Christian of us to label worse that which we see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the partying, the drinking, the, I don't know, yeah. modesty, whatever you want to say. We're labeled at worse because our eyes can see yep. it. But what happens behind closed doors in our own lives are the things that run in our heads. Like yeah. that gets downplayed because nobody else knows about it. Yeah, except Jesus. Except and Jesus. And he, he talked a little about that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So why don't you take us through like Matthew 7, Ben, yeah. and give us a little bit of context here. Yeah, so Matthew 7, just this idea of what does it look like to not judge each other, to recognize what's going on in your life before you get caught up in what's going on in other people's lives. So Matthew 7 says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you be be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in this is so convicting. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friends or another version says in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And what I love about this, even in the context of this, this idea of speck when we have a log is saying, why are you worrying about something so small that it's basically irrelevant, literally irrelevant, because it's irrelevant to what is in your own heart? And so I even think that last verse where he says, get rid of your own log, then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Honestly, to me, that's a, it's not that you'll be able to see the speck better. It's not that you'll be able to see how you can help your brother or your friend better. It's you'll actually get put into perspective how to see the person for who they are because you've recognized that you have garbage mm. in your own life. Mm. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it goes past the hypocrisy of looking at other people. What do they need to do better? Not dealing with myself. It actually, I think grows compassion. Once I recognize, holy crap, this, this life, what I'm dealing with, it's hard and I need yeah. Jesus. So how can I help others actually recognize, yes, they may need Jesus, but hey, also I need Jesus and mm -hmm. share. Here's yeah. how I got rid of the log in my life, whether you have a speck or not. Because mm -hmm. the speck, literally the idea of speck is it's so small, it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. If it's a speck in an eye, it might not even bother you. Like it might not even bother the mm -hmm. person. I just, it's so good. So yeah, yeah recognize what you have going on. And I, and I want to ask this. I think this can be confused to invite us, to, to challenge us to seek perfection before we're able to mm -hmm. participate in accountability or this type of relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like if I've, if I've constantly got things going on in my life, who am I to ever say something to someone else? It's like, wouldn't that push back against the idea of accountability at all? If I'm always dealing with things, how am I able to help others? Say it again. I'm okay. Just, so I'm trying to process. If, I, if I'm got a, a log, yes, I need to deal with that log first. Should we, but should but we I pull get, out that yeah. log, okay. there's probably another log. There's always logs. <laughs> and maybe there's another stick, and then there's all of a sudden, I'm doing really, really good, and all of it's just it's a speck. <laughs> but Jesus probably would say, well, you got to get the speck out of your eye before you deal with the speck. So other good. So, like, how do we not take this passage as a call to perfection to pursue, like, accountability and relationship in that way? Yeah. Like, how am I still able to go to people in love, in compassion, in relationship, and offer that accountability when I know I've got stuff in my own eye. I think it's the, again, this is why we take scripture one in context, but also yeah. you take scripture as the whole of scripture mm -hmm. is what are, what is our pursuit as followers of Jesus? And if I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a follower of Jesus, that's going to be in community. Hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. it's pursuing the reality that God has called me to. Yes. 
One, he sanctified me, so set me apart as a child of God. So he says, I am a son or daughter because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And in that, he's called me to live a holy life, which he ultimately empowers me to do, knowing that we will battle with logs Mm -hmm. or specks or twigs or leaves, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, (laughs) in our own life. But it's a continual pursuit of becoming more like Jesus because as you, with the foundation of knowing who you are, when the identity is there, when you recognize who God ultimately says you are, you actually want to pursue living as he's asked you to live, recognizing that within that there's forgiveness and there's goodness and there's the heart of God for you. And so like that to me is again, where compassion and kindness and gentleness gets built up so I can live in community with other people desiring God's best for them. That's good. It's we're doing this together because I can't pursue being holy as Jesus is holy that like God asked me to without brothers, mm-hmm. without accountability, yeah. without them helping me encouraging me rebuking me and correcting me yeah. i think it's just there's a combination and what's so good about what you said even with the log, going back to the log thing have you ever tried have you ever I, I'm tried a, to take a log out of my eye no no can't say i have <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> but even like chopping wood i mean caring to like I, I i'm not a big outdoorsy worker man i'm just not but there's been some times <laughs> in my life where i've had to haul some logs around oh, yeah, I've don't know why wood. Uh, <laughs> Okay. And so in that, when I'm when I'm carrying a log and when I'm pulling it out or putting it away from a path or whatever, there's stuff that always gets left left behind. Oh yeah. So what you said about the reality of yes, Jesus will say you're the worst. <laughs> Jesus will say get the log out, but also get the speck out because recognize there's stuff that's going to be left behind. I think that's just so good. And the log that's in your eye might be the fact that you're not pursuing accountability. That's that's great. You know that might be it's the sin. It's not just obvious sin. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Okay. Now I want to move the conversation. <sighs> to this idea of how as Christians do we live in accountability with non-Christians in the sense of, okay, there's people in my life who aren't following Jesus, but I want them. I want God's best for them, right? My heart is for them. I have compassion and we're in this relationship, but they're not Christians. So how do I walk that out? Accountability. What accountability looks like is based off the relationship you have with that person, right? And it's not accountability to the standards of what you think other people should should live like based off what you need to live like according to what Scripture says and what Jesus asks us to live like. So I actually have, in some weird senses, some sort of accountability with people who don't know Jesus. So if I look at my family, like I'm accountable to them to be with them and careful. Like my family who doesn't know Jesus. Hmm. My accountability to them is how am I just there with them? How am I present in moments where there's pain? How am I present in moments where they need encouragement? How am I present in their life desiring God's best for them in a heart of love, but it's just loving them with what is going on in their life? And as relationship gets established, there's going to be opportunity for me first and foremost to point them to Jesus. And then if when that happens, so like my sister, she gave her life to Jesus on the bathroom floor when she was a freshman in college. Before that, when I was still like two years into being a follower of Jesus, I wasn't putting my expectations of what I think Jesus wanted for me on her because she didn't, had never said yes to Jesus. Mm. She didn't make a commitment to say, I want to live for him. I'm surrendered to him. I'm his. And so all it was for me was, how, do I, how am I just with my sister in a moment where there's pain? And, and have the opportunity to love her enough to be able to tell her about what Jesus has done in my life, mm-hmm. to share the gospel. And it happened. And so now there's moments of accountability where, because she's my sister, I can actually like call some stuff out and correct and rebuke with encouragement mm-hmm. and patience and the right words with the right motive because I love my sister. Mm-hmm. Again, it's easier for family. Sometimes yeah. easier for family yeah. depending <sighs> on your family. Um, but that's that idea is like account. It's, it's, I think we're accountable to non-Christians and being present where they're at, doing mm-hmm. what we can to love on them enough to try to point them to Jesus, not to try to behavior modify and say, here's yeah. what you need to do in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you said that really nice. But if I was going to say it not so nice, 
people, why are we expecting non-Christians to live like Christians? Why are we so consistently seeing people, whether it's celebrities, politicians, the people in your sphere of influence, like all the way down from top to bottom, why are we expecting people who don't surrender to the Lordship of Jesus to surrender to the teachings of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. We shouldn't be doing that. I I hope one day they come under the Lordship of Jesus and transform their life through the power of the Spirit, but right now, they're not. So I can't hold them to that standard. Yeah. And yeah. even in that, like desiring for people to want to know Jesus, I don't have an expectation or or should have an expectation of what transformation will look like. Yeah. I know what God's done in my life. I know what he's redeemed and reconciled in me. But that's been between me and the Father with accountability and people encouraging me and, yes, correcting me. And so when mm-hmm. with relationship established. So for them, it's, I think we just want to put a timetable again on behavior yeah. modification when people know Jesus. And that's just so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And that's not how God operates. Like, I want to, I want to go back to the woman that Jesus saved who was caught in adultery. Yeah. Who, mm-hmm. who pointed out to the Pharisees, okay, you with, without sin may cast the first stone. They all laid the stones down. So obviously they all struggle with sin because everyone has sin in their life. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then he looks at her, saving her life says, now go and sin no more. So the goal there was go sin no more. You know she still struggled with stuff. What that stuff was, who knows? But just the reality of like, I'd love to hear the story and the transformation and see it knowing just it takes time because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's a relationship. Yeah. It just, it just, ah, oh, I agree with you, Brian. Just mm-hmm. why we expect the world to act like the world and not like Christ, Jesus and not even Christians are ridiculous. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> I am. But like, and not like Jesus, like why we have that expectation makes zero sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now I got one more scripture that I want us to walk through. And this is a scripture that's it's from Matthew 18, and it's Jesus teaching on a sense of a, uh, of conflict and accountability. And uh, I think it's a, it's a beautiful passage that really contextually is when one brother, a Christian brother, someone in the faith, in the church, is sinning against another person. I mean, we use brother, but it could be sister. Two sisters, <laughs> they are fighting against each other. There's a little girl-on-girl conflict. But... In this sense, he takes a three-step approach in Matthew 18. You can read it. It's in the second half. I don't exactly know when what verse it starts in. But it starts in this idea of accountability and conflict where you first go and have a conversation. And I hope you hear that when we're talking about this, that in relationship with a heart that's for them, your first step in accountability and in conflict resolution should be to have a conversation because you need to go talk to that person. I've, I've heard it said, don't talk about people, talk to people. Don't go to your other roommates. Don't go to your parents. Don't go to, go have a conversation with the person you're having the conflict with, with you're seeing that sin in their life. That's a Christian and see, okay, first of all, don't assume they know it's wrong. That's good. Mm-hmm. Like some people straight up don't know that some sin is wrong. Like they're struggling with partying or drink, drunkenness and they've not read the Bible, maybe equip them with the word of God, but mm-hmm. also don't assume they know that that's wrong. And then go and see, okay, well, how, do, how are you struggling with this and how can I walk alongside? And that all has to happen through a conversation. Like it cannot happen in any other way. You're not going to just assume the perfect motives for that person. If they're not willing to listen after that conversation, if they're not willing to accept that accountability, but you're still in relationship with them, remember, they've invited you into this, then you can take a second step where you bring others with you. And this could be another friend, another person they value, another person who's in their sphere of influence, who's in, mm-hmm. I mean, don't go bring some random stranger they have no connection to. Like, their voice is probably not going to speak any louder than yours. But when we invite others in, you have to do it in a sense that it's not group teaming up. 
It's not you two against them. It's the three of you walking together again through conversation, through a heart for that person and a heart for Jesus, that you're going to try and find a solution that's a, that's a positive, peace-filled, Jesus-centered solution. Now, after that, if there's still a third time, after the second time, they're still, they have not repented of their sin, they're not turning away from that, you go and you involve the church. And this can look like taking your pastor with them if they're a part of your church. This can go and look like maybe taking a small group leader. This can go and look uh, some authoritative figure or some congregational aspect to it. And you go and you invite them into that moment to again have another conversation to find a Jesus-centered solution for their benefit. You want God's best for them. If that does not work, Jesus says, treat them like a pagan or a tax collector, someone who does not know God. That's what the culture, that's what these terms mean in the culture, that this person is someone far from Christ. They are not following the faith. So after all of this, if you're having this conversation with your, your brother or sister who loves Jesus, but at the end of all three of these, they're still not repentant of sin, they still don't see their wrong, then you treat them like someone who doesn't know Jesus. And Ben, what do we do with and people? What did, how did, what did Jesus do with tax collectors? He ate with them. He ate with them. He spent time with them. And he shared the gospel. He shared the gospel. Constantly. So if through all of this you finish and there's not peace, there's not conflict resolution, there's not accountability the way it should be, you share the gospel with them. You show them the grace and the love of Jesus. You sit with them. You continue to invest in that relationship and love them. And you hope that through God's grace, because you're not the one saving them, you're not the one changing them, that he does a work in their life and that the gospel is shared and they repent and they come back to Jesus and in all of that. So Matthew 18, beautiful scripture. Jesus is a beast. (laughs) <laughs> but here's where we want to end it's true i think it just I'll, I'll, can i say a couple things yeah sorry one the idea of going directly to someone in that and again this passage in the midst of conflict so someone has sinned against you or there's an, a relationship that's been established where you have asked each other to actually like keep each yep. other mm-hmm. accountable in that one recognize that when we've been hurt or and, and it's maybe hurt directly or indirectly especially in relationship with good friends where you see something and they're living in a way it's like man we we, we've challenged each other to, to be different, to mm-hmm. pursue Jesus. Recognize that there might be something or insecurity or something within you that you also have to recognize and bring mm-hmm. to the table. And re- like own your part mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. Own your judgment in the moment. Own where you aren't desiring God's best for them in the moment. And I think, mm-hmm. one, that brings it easier to go directly to them because all of a sudden, I think when we own our part, it helps us become more compassionate to, mm-hmm. to people in general. But then also, it's like, if you don't feel like you have the courage to do it, one, that could mean, it doesn't mean you have to have the perfect thing to say, really, because I think when it comes with a compassionate heart, desiring to like want to pursue, just again, desiring God's best for each other, um, don't worry about having the perfect thing to say. Be prayed up. Really, and then the other thing. Sometimes there's stuff that we think is way bigger deal than it really is, and so mm. if we don't have enough courage to do it, then maybe the problem isn't big enough to worry about. Yeah, mm. which then it's just an us and Jesus thing. But I think there are some times where I don't have the courage to say it because I just it's big enough still, but I just don't know what to say. So I need to like I don't know. I need to be prayed up, and I don't. Yeah, it's just it's really tough. And I'll, what I'll do too is I'll I'll talk to and this is maybe not maybe this goes against scripture, Brendan. You could tell me. But I'll talk to Abby. I won't give her specifics. I won't give her names. I'll say like literally, hey, I need to have a conversation with someone and I'm really struggling with how to do it. Can you pray? Mm. I need encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not talk- like I'm not bringing in the situation. I'm, I'm inviting someone I really trust to be with me in the moment, even if they're not with me in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And so like that's moments where it's like, I just, I know I need help. 
because I don't know how this is going to go, and I think it's going to be really hard. Yeah. But I say no specifics. I don't say names because it's not. she doesn't need to know. And I think that's the most important part is like in these settings, we quickly turn accountability and conflict resolution into gossip. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm telling other people about this problem or this drama. Worse. So, yeah. But if you remove names, you remove details, and you're inviting others into prayer with you, I hope that just shows your heart for really them as a person because you truly want that situation to go the best possible. Um, If you're interested in more conflict conversation, we did a podcast. I think it was episode 24. would have been like last November. (laughs) So if you're interested in that, we did like 20 minutes on conflict. Go hit that up. But where we want to end this is we want to talk a little bit about um, accountability because if we're going to tell you the difference between judgment and accountability, we got to, I mean, outline Okay, what is accountability and who should have it? Why is it important? What does it look like? So one of you wanna just jump in there? I'll just can I just I'll just read scripture and I feel like this gives us all the reasonings why accountability is important. One, the Bible says it, which is just a weird way to start in general, <laughs> but it's true. Um we talked about this in the confession podcast i know we did because yeah. i don't know why we wouldn't say this verse in a confession podcast james five sixteen: confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results and then he talks about elijah but jumps down and i'm gonna jump down to verse 19 it says my dear brothers and sisters so this is in the context of confessing to one another which means there's relationships which mm-hmm. means we both are pursuing and desiring to want to be like jesus He says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And I think just the beauty of the communal walking together, we should all pursue wanting to confess with each other, which is ultimately accountability. Help me in my pursuit of Jesus. In that, I'm inviting you into my life to, yes, correct, rebuke, and encourage, but also inviting this moment to ask, where have I fallen short so I can confess Mm -hmm. to you? Because that's where healing starts. And in that, because it's in the context of relationship, when you see someone who doesn't, I'm not going to say doesn't desire accountability or doesn't want to confess, like there's moments where we need to run after them. Mm. And and that I think is desiring God's best for them and being compassionate and kind is how do I pursue just wanting God's best in, yeah, going after them and wanting, yeah, just being a part of their life. And so we should all have it and desire it because I can't confess to each other if I actually don't want accountability in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where I would add on that is if you're reflecting on your life right now, which I encourage you to do, do you have someone you've invited in that they have authority to speak on your life? They are someone who loves Jesus, is following Jesus, is walking with him as you're doing the same. And you have told them, hey, I want you to watch my life the way I interact with people, the way I interact like in, in private or whatever, I want you to ask these intentional questions and I want you to boldly speak in love into that. Like, do you have a person like that that can legit, they're going to call you on your stuff because yeah. that's accountability sometimes where we don't see it, but they can yes. or where we see it, but we're not taking actions for it and they want better for us. Yeah. Like you, we need to have those people and those are, I mean, it sounds like a, an odd part of relationship where it's like, oh, this person's watching me. But it's not really like that. You're just living in relationship. And anytime people are living in relationship, there's friction and there's you're going to bump into each other. You're going to see stuff. But when you have someone that wants you their best, like then of course you'd want them to say something. Like If you got something in your teeth, you want someone to say something. <laughs> you know, you do. You, you got something going yeah. on. So everyone should have it, but you got to ask mm-hmm. for it. It doesn't just happen randomly. Just by being in a small group here at Oasis, you're not participating in accountability. That's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. You're Say not. it again. Just because Why? you're Let's at a small group. Let's go down this road. I think this is so good. <laughs> we don't have a ton of time. but I'm maybe sorry. We'll, we'll walk, <laughs> That's so good. We'll walk a little down this road. But just because you come to Oasis on Sunday night 
Just because you're a part of one of our small groups does not mean you're participating in accountability. Mm-hmm. And the reason I would say that is because accountability is an invitation thing. Yes. Unless you've sat with that group leader or someone in that group you've connected with or someone in the congregation you've connected with and invited them to speak this truth, you're not pursuing accountability because they don't have the invitation to come and to say those things to you. You're just in relationship. Yep. Which is, which is good. Which is good. Which is still good. Small group, in my opinion, in the way that we've operated, is not meant for these accountability confession moments unless the entire group is on the same page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the, if the group leader wants to set it up in that way and yeah. they give, like, hey, at 10 minutes, we're going to give 15 minutes, half hour to this <laughs> where we're going to pursue accountability as a group, great. Then it might be. But for the most part, our 17 to 18 groups do yep. not do that. Nope. They're too big. There's too many yes. people, too many different relationships. Yep. So now mm-hmm. they function in order to gain community yep. and to and pursue Jesus together. And not all 10 people need to know. Yeah. yeah. That's just so real. Oh, sorry. That's so good. I'm sorry. Okay. Maybe right. back to it. A couple more. What, what should accountability have? Yeah. So we talked about it having confession, obviously. Um, but it also should have both challenge and encouragement. And so the point of, conf- of accountability is that we're helping each other grow. So there has to be challenge in that. Um, alongside confession, but also encouragement because nobody wants to just be challenged and called out without mm-hmm. the encouragement to actually do something better. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just draining. Yeah, oh, that's it's heavy. exhausting. Oh. Yeah, that's not relationship. That's no. weighty. That's burdensome, yeah. which Jesus does not desire to carry around mm-hmm. heavy weight and burden. He actually asks us yeah. to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Ben, what else? What else yeah. do you think we need? It's got to be, yeah, rooted in prayer, just mm-hmm. right. the reality of even in the midst of that. And I think, I, Brennan, you you have a group that you do this with Thursday mornings that you've done this past year. And I think it's just been so beautiful where not a big agenda, you know, the expectations, but you come, you just, you pray for each other mm. and you, you soak it in this idea of prayer. Cause what, the, what that does one is it invites God into the moment, which immediately gives us the perspective of this is bigger than just us two trying to call each other out in our garbage, but also mm. allows God to speak within the moment. Cause the Holy spirit who is also God lives within you to potentially give you that challenging, but also encouraging word. So yep. it needs to be soaked in prayer, one, in the moment, but also before and after. Absolutely. Because yeah. if I've talked through this idea of here's where I struggle with as my accountability person or group, you, I'm my expectation, expectation in that moment of invitation is for you to be praying through me throughout the week because you know what I'm dealing with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and vice versa. And yep. I'll be praying for you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and the next two, the last two that I would say is one, it needs to be grace-filled and then two, it needs to be full of humility. Mm-hmm. And the first one is grace-filled is we are not perfect people. If accountability functions in order to, per, I mean, in order to expect perfection, it doesn't work again. Like mm-hmm. it expects growth, not perfection. Accountability wants you to grow and to grow, you need grace. That's God's at, that's his part of the, mm-hmm. the portion or of the, the potion. He's the <laughs> one working and, and growing in us through his grace. So as people, one, recognize as an accountability, like you're going to need to show some grace, but then two, be full of humility. Cause this is where on the other end, on both ends, but even on the receiving end, yeah. like when someone calls you on something, the worst, it does not it feel good. <laughs> like we have, uh, we actually had at my group that Ben was talking about one morning, we just, we prepped, we prayed, we, we had everybody know the expectation in the morning, but we were, this is the moment we were going to pursue accountability in, we were going to be able to speak into other people's lives to the things we saw that we didn't know if they saw. Yeah. And oh, it was tough. <laughs> you don't want to sit in a room and hear three people say the worst things about you. You know, it's like, hey, you're prideful. You're selfish. I see you function in this way in this group of people. I see the way you treat this person. Yeah. Like, nobody mm. wants to hear yes. that. Like, that's your baggage on, that's your trash on display. Yep. But in that, it, 
how do I respond in a place of humility knowing that they love me? Right. Knowing mm-hmm. that, hey, that stuff is true. <laughs> you know, I do struggle with those kind of mm. things. And then responding again with grace, knowing that they have grace for me. Yeah. So that's where so I would end good. it. So good. Sweet. I just dropped the mic. We hope you've learned something. We hope you're better at accountability and uh, judging others. <laughs> we could be uh, better at judging others. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not. Yep. Yeah, Boom. exactly. But we love you. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.